Om, lead us from the unreal to the real. Lead us from darkness unto light. Lead us from death to immortality. Om, peace, peace, peace. So welcome back to the second session of this uh, retreat, which is on Mahavakyartha Viveka, the, the Viveka of the Mahavakyas, analysis of Mahavakyas, based on chapter five of the Panchadashi. So uh, as I promised, in this uh, section, in this session, we will uh, postpone the discussion of the Mahavakyas a little bit, and uh, I'll give a short technical background to this whole discussion. So we need to know certain things before we proceed. One important uh, point, one second. So, um, one important bit of information. So the four Mahavakyas, which are conventionally taken, uh, they have, uh, uh, some other designations also. For, for example, Pragyanam Brahma, which is the Mahavakya, which we did in the morning, which is from Aitya Upanishad, the Rig Vedic Mahavakya, is called the Lakshana Vakya, the definitional statement. Then Aham Brahmasmi, the Mahavakya from the Yajur Veda, Vihadaranyaka Upanishad, is called Anusandhana Vakya. Anusandhana Vakya means the statement for practice. And Tattvamasi, the Mahavakya from the Samaveda, Chandogya Upanishad, is called Upadesha Vakya. That means a statement for instruction, what the Guru tells the student. And finally, Ayamatma Brahma from the Mandukya Upanishad and Atharva Veda is also called the Anubhava Vakya, what we realize. So, Pragyanam Brahma is Lakshana Vakya, definitional statement. Um, Aham Brahmasmi is Anusandhana Vakyam, the practice statement, what the student is supposed to practice. Practice means inquiry, actually. Anusandhana means inquiry. And then um, Tattvamasi is uh, Upadesha Vakyam, the statement for uh, instruction. And uh, Ayamatma Brahma is the Vakya, the sentence for uh, Anubhava. Ayamatma Brahma. This is an, upon enlightenment, this is what we realize. So just, just a little bit of information. Okay. This uh, presentation, what I'm going to tell you now, is going to be divided into four parts. One main part and three smaller parts. The first part is, how do we decide what a statement means? What is the technical method? I mentioned hermeneutics, Vedic hermeneutics how we understand or investigate the meaning of a text. So that's one. I'll quickly go through that. And then the main part, the second part, is the analysis of the Mahavakya. What's the actual technicality which is going on when we talk about the Mahavakya? That will be the second and main part. And then there'll be two more observations, just uh, very interesting points. Okay. First, Tatparya Nirnaya. How do we ascertain the meaning of a sentence? And this, all this comes from Mimamsa, Purva Mimamsa, from uh, the methods developed by Vedic scholars belonging to the school of Purva Mimamsa, 
to interpret Vedic sentences and we use it. In Advaita Vedanta, we use it to interpret Vedantic sentences, Upanishadic sentences, especially Mahavakya. So what is the process? How do we understand the meaning of a text? Shadvida Linga, six-fold uh, signs uh, or six-fold uh, designations, let us say. These six characteristics, we look for six things and then we interpret a sentence in the light of these six, six characteristics or signs. Shadvida Linga, uh, Upakrama Upasanghara, one. Upakrama Upasanghara means beginning and end beginning and end beginning and end of what beginning and end of the text so you're taking up a chapter or a book or a, or a passage beginning and end second abhyasa abhyasa so these are all technical meanings all right abhyasa means repetition repetition number three is apurvata uniqueness or what is the novel teaching the new teaching unique teaching apurvata number four is Halam, result, result. What is the promised result? Number five, Arthavada, what is praised? What is praised? I'll explain all of these. And the final one is Upapatti, arguments. Upapatti, arguments. So what do we have? What are, what are these things and what are the meanings? Upakrama Upasanghara, number one. Abhyasa, number two. Apurvata, number three. Um, Phalam, number four. Arthavada number five and Upapatti number six. What are they? In many cases, most of, most of us will be familiar with it because you've gone through Vedantic uh, studies for a long time. But still, it's good to just revise the basics. So what are these? These are the methods by which we ascertain the meaning of a sentence uh, or, or a textual passage. And you can apply them not just for Vedanta. You can actually take up a lecture, say uh, something given by a you know, an orator or a politician, and then apply these uh, um, these points, these signs to determine what is the purpose, what is the purport, what is the central message, if there is a central message. Um, of course, we are assuming that a philosophical text will have a central message. Often nowadays, uh, people talk without any particular um, point to it or people write a lot of things without any particular point to it, then it will be very difficult to determine what they're trying to say. They're not trying to say anything. But mostly uh, there is a point uh, to a text. Upakrama Upasanghara, beginning and end. When you examine a text, um, at the very beginning and the very end, there'll be a clue. There'll be a clue to what the text intends. Usually, uh, it may not be the very first sentence. It may not be the very last sentence, but maybe in the first paragraph or one or two paragraphs, an indication will be given that we are going to talk about this. We are going to write about this. So it's a, you have to take a close look at the beginning and the end. At the end of the text also, what has been said will usually be summarized. I remember a professor of communications once taught us that when you give a speech, when you give a talk, um, so what is the formula for giving a good speech? First, tell them what you're going to tell them. Then tell them. And finally, tell them what you have told them. So this is a very good way of <laughs> understanding Upakrama Upasanghara. Tell them what you're going to tell them. So you announce, this is what you're going to talk about. Then you talk about it, then tell them. And then finally, sum up. What did we talk about for such a long time? So, oopsie, Upakrama Upasanghara. 
what is at the beginning and what is at the end. Uh, a classic example which is used is the Mahavakya Tattvamasi, which is from the Chandogya Upanishad, sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad. So if you take the sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad and apply these, um, so in Sadananda Yogendra's Vedanta Sara, when these six are talked about, they take the sixth chapter of the Chandogya Upanishad and apply this as an example. So in the Chandogya Upanishad, the very, not at the very first, in the beginning of the sixth chapter, there is the story of Shweta Ketu. That's not the point of the chapter. But when the instruction from the father starts, father starts in, uh, teaching Shweta Ketu, Sadeva Samyadamagra Asit. So at the beginning, before the manifestation of the universe, there was one homogeneous being, pure existence, pure being. And it talks about Sat at the very end, pure being. So this pure being is what you're talking about. Uh, uh, that by realizing which, everything else is realized. That you get a clue at the very beginning of the chapter and at the end of the chapter. Then second, Abhyasa. Look for repetitions. Look for repetitions. If you look at a politician's speech, um, you will find one thing is being repeated again and again and again. Vote for me, vote for me. So you understand the whole point is give me your votes. That's, that's the purport of the politician's speech. In Chandogya 6th chapter, what is being repeated? Tattvamasi. So it's a very clear example. Nine times. Nine times that thou art is repeated in 6th chapter. So one can understand that Tattvamasi is the purport, is the point of the whole speech, of the whole text of 6th chapter. What is repeated? Uh, need not be in the same language. In Chandogya Upanishad 6th chapter, it's very clear. Same sentence is repeated nine times. But in other texts, in other Upanishads, or throughout Bhagavad Gita, uh, you will find a central message being repeated again and again. Then number three, Apurvata, uniqueness. What is the thing that this text reveals which cannot be found anywhere else? So what is it that Vedanta, any Vedantic text reveals which cannot be found by any other Pramana? So that thou art, that you are Brahman, this is being revealed and this you cannot find by any other pramana, by seeing, by the pratyaksha or by anumanam. No other pramana will reveal it to you except Shruti. So that must be the unique message of the Shruti. That thou art or you are Brahman. Mahavakya expresses the unique message, apurvata, which is not found through any other pramana. Number four, phalam, result. By looking at what is being promised, you can understand the central message. You are being promised moksha. Freedom from all sorrow, which is possible only through something like Brahmagyana. So again, you understand something some, as profound as Brahmagyana is being talked about when you are promised that you will be free of all sorrow, of all samsara. Then look for praise. What is being exalted? See, this is because it's a Vedic statement. It's a Vedic text. In Veda, one stylistic device used was when you recommend a particular uh, the yajna or worship of a particular deity or a particular uh, uh, ritual, there will be statements which praise that, that this is wonderful. Vayur Vaikshepishta Devata, that Vayu is the speediest God, so you should sacrifice unto Vayu because Vayu will give you quick results, something like that. So statements are there. Now look at this, this section. What does it praise? It says, by knowing this, everything is known. Eka Vigyanena Sarvam Vigyatam Bhavati. 
So something wonderful is being taught here. What is that? About Sat, Brahman, which is your own nature. So by the, looking at the Arthavada, the statements of praise, you understand what is being taught here. So again, a politician speech. When a politician says, I have done this, I have done that, all oh, these are my achievements. Over my career, I've done so many things. Do you understand that? You have to vote for me. So that is the uh, purport of that speech. This is Arthavada, praising. And finally, arguments. Sixth, Upapatti means reasoning. Arguments. So every talk, especially philosophical uh, texts, will contain arguments, reasoning. If you follow the chain of reasoning, you will see what is the central message. Just as clay, the same lump of clay is found in all pots, all pots are nothing but manifestations of the same lump of clay. One, as by knowing the clay, one knows all pottery. By knowing the iron, one knows all implements made of iron. By knowing the uh, gold, one knows all ornaments made of gold. In that way, by knowing Sat, everything is known. You are that Sat. So one sees the arguments there. Here in the, in the using these examples. Um, clay and pot, gold and ornament, iron and implements. These are proto-arguments, you can say. But they all point to that same truth, the same teaching. Tattvamasi. And hence, putting all of these six together, we realize, we come to the conclusion, the objective is to teach the identity of Jiva and Brahma. Tattvamasi, that thou art. So this is the purport of the whole section, chapter 6 of Chandogya Upanishad. In this way we determine, we come to the understanding that Tattvamasi means identity of Jiva and Brahman and that is the point of the whole teaching. This is called Tatpariya Nirnaya. One might say, fine, then it's done. We, know, we have understood Tattvamasi means uh, that you and Brahman are one and the same, but not so fast. <clears throat> not so fast because it doesn't make sense. Brahman, which is the creator of the world, did you not say, Shweta Ketu can ask his father, did you not say before the manifestation of the world only one Sat was there? From that Sat alone, this entire universe is manifested? Yes. And I am Shweta Ketu, young man, just finished finish school, come back from Guru's house. How can I be the absolute reality of the universe? I was born just a, 24 years ago and now I am a young man and this universe is billions of years old. How can I be the cause of this universe? I can. So Saguna Brahman is being talked about. Sat there is actually Brahman, uh, Saguna Brahman. And I, Shvetakitva, I am a Jiva. How can a Jiva and God be equal? Ishwara, Saguna Brahman or Ishwara is the same thing. Ishwara or Saguna Brahman, God. And Jiva, the one individual sentient being. How is it possible? Tattva Masi. It does not match. So, no. We have got in the Tatparya. We, have, we know this is the teaching of the, of the section. Now we must see how we can reconcile, how we can extract this meaning from Tattvamasi. How we can extract this meaning from Tattvamasi, we will see. The problem is, right, on the face of it, Tattvamasi does not mean, it, it is not logical. Uh, Jiva and Ishwara cannot be the same thing. I am this fellow. How can I be Sat, a pure existence, or, or even how can I be um, Satchidananda, this Saguna Brahman, you know, Maya Upahita Chaitanyam, from which the entire universe has come. So, a process is applied. So, this is the second, I'm entering into the second part of uh, this talk today, which is the actual process by which we arrive at the meaning of Tattvamasi. 
it's a three-step process. Um, the three-step process, one is called Samanadhikaranyam. Samanadhikaranyam, big word. Samana Adhikarana. Samanadhikaranyam. Second one will be called Visheshana Visheshya Bhava. And third one will be called Lakshya Lakshana Bhava, Lakshya Artha. Basically Lakshya Artha. Three, just can say, write down Samanadhikaranyam, number one. Number two, Visheshana Visheshya Bhava. And number three, uh, Lakshya Artha. These are not technically precise, but these are uh, easier to handle. Step number one. What are we doing in three steps? We are three steps. We are going to extract the meaning of the statement Tattvamasi, that thou art. Step one. What kind of a sentence is it? What do you mean what kind of sentence? There are two kinds possible. One is called Vyadhikarana and the other one is called Samanadhikarana. Vyadhikarana, V-Y-A, Vyadhikarana. Adhikarana means what the, the substratum or the, or the base or the ground to which the words are referring. So, what are the words referring to? When I say book, here is a book. Uh, when I say the book is on my hand or the book is in my hand, hand is there, book is there and there's a relationship between book and hand. Book is in my hand. But then multiple things are being talked about. Book is one thing, hand is another thing, relation between book and hand is being talked about. But when I say, this is a book, this is a book, the word this is referring to this thing. The word book is referring to this thing. The word is is also referring to this thing. It's an identity statement. It is this. So when, you, when all the words in a sentence refer to one object, only one adhikarana, it's called saman adhikarana. Now you see in Sanskrit why it is called saman adhikarana. All the words are grounded in one object. One Adhikarana, Saman Adhikarana. And the statement will, uh, the sentence will be said to have Saman Adhikaranyam. Saman Adhikarana statement, it has the property of Saman Adhikaranyam. But if the words refer to different things, then it will, it will be Vyadhikarana statement. Now, why are we talking about this? When you want to say, I am Brahman, Tattvamasi, we must try to find out how that refers to the same thing as tuam. Use tu and tat sat, it must be the same thing. Then only we can say this is that. Tat tuamasi. Then only I can say I am Brahman. The word I should refer to the same thing as the word Brahman refers to. Samanadhikarana has to be established. Otherwise, what will happen is you see why these things are important. These are not just juggling with words, they have profound consequences. Um, it can have devastating consequences. Uh, for example, Tattvamasi. Now, Tattvamasi, we are translating at that thou art. But it need not be so. Sanskrit grammar permits you to say Tattvamasi means Tadadhinatvamasi. That is the Lord and subservient to the Lord art thou. You are the Dasa and the Lord is the Master. Perfectly all right. Why not? You will say, especially, yeah, why not? Well, we will say, why not? Because it is not allowed because we have just now determined through the analysis of sixth chapter that it must mean that you, Shweta Ketu, are that Sat. Though right now the meaning is not coming out, we will not settle for Sat is God and Shweta Ketu is Bhakta. So the Lord is the master of the Bhakta. Tad Adhinat Tvamasi. 
uh, we are that that meaning we will not accept. We will drive for the meaning of identity. Tat and Shweta Ketu must mean the same thing. Uh, so if you do not do this, if you do not prove that it is Samana Vikarana, it will become a Vyadhikarana statement, then Tadadhinatvamasi, thou art subservient to the Lord. Then it will become Dvaita Vedanta. At this point, if you don't check it, the meaning will be now hijacked and will be turned into Tatvamasi will just be that you are the devotee of the Lord, or the Lord is the master, you are the devotee. It can be uh, grammatically derived that way. Though the context does not allow it, if you see the whole chapter, it doesn't, there's no talk about devotion to God, but uh, you have to protect the meaning. Now, how do we know Samadhikaranam or not? Grammatical clue. So, a typical classical example that is used for Vyadhikarana statement is Dandena Gamanaya, Dandena Gamanaya. And a coward boy is being told, go to the field, take this stick and drive the cow home. Gam, the cow, you uh, drive it home, bring it home. Maybe at sunset, the coward boy will take a stick and drive the cow home. So, the cow, um, cow is one, indicated by the gam, the particular uh, case is there. Uh, then, dandena, by instrumental case, by the stick, using the stick. Anaya, command is given there. Bring, bring the cow home, or bring the cow using the stick. Multiple things are being referred to here. An action, anayanam, uh, an instrument, danda, and an animal, cow. Different things are being, different words mean different things in this statement. It's clearly a kind of statement. It's not identity statement. But, but, um, something like tattvamasi. All the words refer to one and the same thing. And the clue is, they are all in the same vibhakti. Gamanaya, Ditya vibhakti, Tritya vibhakti. You find all of different, different case endings up there. But when all are in same vibhakti, especially first case ending, Tattvamasi, then it's a clue that they are all referring to the same. It need not always be first case ending, but I mean, for example, um, Vishnu Sahasranama, so thousand names of Vishnu, all in the same case ending? Uh -huh. Vishwam Vishnu Vashatkara Bhuta Bhavya Prabhat Bhuta Bhavya Bhavat Prabhu Bhuta Krit Bhuta Bhit like it goes on and on hundreds of names all meaning one and one thing only the Lord Vishnu Vishnu Sahasranama Lalita Sahasranama they all mean the same Lord same Divine Mother they all are in the same Vibhakti so when you find Tattvamasi Aham Brahmasmi Pragyanam Brahma Ayam, Atma, Brahma, all are in the same case ending. It's a clue that they are all referring to one Adhikarana. So it is Saman Adhikarana Vakyam. You say, all right, it sounds complicated. Not at all. This is the simplest way it can be put. Uh, there's a text I was just referring to Professor Ganapati who was in Chennai, in the Vivekananda College. He wrote a like, simple introduction to Mahavakyartha Vichara. In this first step itself, Saman Adhikaranyam, there are 16 possible types of Samanadhikaranam. So 16 possible types are there. Each one has to be individually considered and rejected because of the 16, only one will lead to Advaitic meaning. The rest will lead to something else. So each one has to be considered and you have to argue like a lawyer and show why it is not to be accepted, rejected. Finally, there is a Aikya Samanadhikaranam that has to be accepted. So just at this first step, 15 options have to be rejected and only one selected. So this, um, that is the level of complexity. And 
the level to which people have thought um, and how careful one has to be. All right, so we admit, suppose we, we agree that this sentence refers to one thing. Tat and Tuam both refer to the same thing. It's an identity statement. Identity statement which means the identity of Tat and Tuam, that and thou. Or Aham Brahmasmi. Aham and Brahman refer to the same thing. Pragyanam Brahma, which we did in the morning. Pragyanam and Brahma refer to the same thing. Um, Ayamatma, this very self, Brahma. So Brahma and this Atma, they refer to the same thing. This is the meaning of Samanadikaranya. If we are agreed, we will proceed. Now next problem comes. Problem is this. A classic example they use is blue lotus. Um, Neelotpalam. So when you say blue lotus, um, blue refers to the lotus and lotus refers to that, that particular flower. So we have a blue lotus in your hand. When you say blue lotus, in the word blue refers to this thing only and lotus also refers to this thing only. So it's a samanadikaranam phrase, uh, nilotpalam. Now, how are we to understand it? Is what is blue and what is lotus? Is it a visheshana visheshya bhava? Uh, that the lotus is the substratum and blue is the quality of that. So we're trying to understand the meaning of the phrase blue lotus. Blue refers to the same flower, lotus refers to the same flower. Now, how, what is the relation between these two? We know when you say blue lotus, lotus is the flower and blue is the color. Blue is the guna and the lotus is the dravya in uh, nyaya terms. So a substance and its property are indicated by blue lotus. One is visheshya, the qualified, the lotus. And visheshana, blue, nila, that is the qualifier. So that's how they are related. White chalk, white chalk. Chalk is the substance, dravya, and white is the color. And now we understand the meaning. So your Tattvamasi, uh, Mr. Advaitin, is it related like that? Is Tat the substance and Tvam is the, uh, the attribute of that? Is, is that what you're trying to say? There is a reality which is Tat and whose quality or attribute or quali uh, qualifier is the Jiva, Tvam. What is the trap? If you say yes, it sounds logical. If you say yes, see how logical it is. Blue Lotus. Uh, um, both of them refer to the same thing and one qualify the other and you understand it. If you say Tat Tuamasi, Tuam is the, is the qualifier of Tat and that's how they are one and the same thing. Then it will immediately become, I know many of you have understood what will become. It will become Vishishta Dvaitavad. Tat is Brahman, Dad Brahman. Qualified by Jiva Jagat. Jiva Jagat Vishishta Brahma. That's why Vishishta Dvaita Vada. Brahman is the, um, uh, they say, Sheshi, the part holder. And Jagat and Jiva Shesha. That's from which Sheshanaga comes. The part, the Amsha, Amsha Amshi. The totality is Brahman and all Jivas are parts. Amsha Brahman. Jagat is an Amsha. Chit Jada Amsha. So conscious parts of Brahman, we are all conscious parts of Brahman. Remember, this is not Advaita Vedanta. Don't get confused. <laughs> we learned from Mahavakya Artha Vichara that we are all Vishishta parts of Brahman. Not at all. Disaster. This is the proposal that all Jivas are Vishishta uh, parts, are sentient parts of Brahman. Chid Amsha. 
and Jagat is Achid Amsha, the insentient Jada part of Brahman. And Brahman is the totality. Narayana has these two characteristics. Visheshanas, Chid Achit. Central teaching of Vishishtadvaita Vedanta. So, um, Jiva will become a Visheshana of, of Brahman. Uh, uh, to put it in a very simple way. You have very profound discussions are there. But this is a basic idea. Brahman and Jiva are related how? Not that they are same. Not that Aham Brahmasmi. But you are part of Brahman. Amsha. You are an Amsha part and Brahman is Amshi. You are Shesha part and Brahman is Sheshi. Purna and part. Uh, it is like body and its parts. So hands and feet and head and tummy and legs. They are all me. But the legs are not the hands. Hands are not the tummy. They are all different from each other. They all together uh, constitute my body. Is it like that? No. We don't agree. Visheshana Visheshya Bhava we reject. That's why in some Advaitic analysis Visheshana Visheshya Bhava they don't enter. They bypass. But is there any way in which it can help? Yes. It can help in this way. See, what does blue lotus actually do? When you say blue lotus, the word blue, what does it do? And the word lotus, what does it do? When you say blue, you mean only blue lotus, not white lotus, not yellow lotus, not red lotus, only blue lotus. When you say lotus, you mean only the um, blue lotus, not blue sky, blue shirt, blue pen. Blue can refer to many things. Lotus can refer to different kinds of lotuses. But when you put them together, what blue does, itara vyavartaka. That means it cuts out all other alternatives. Only blue and only lotus. Not yellow lotus, not red lotus, not white lotus, only blue lotus. And when you say lotus, that means it is a blue lotus only, not blue pen, blue sky, blue shirt, uh, feeling blue. No. The two together, they remove all other alternatives and precisely point to one entity, which is the blue lotus. So this is a sort of roundabout way of understanding it. This is actually helpful for Advaitic understanding. We can accept this. We say Jiva and Jagat qualify, Jiva and Brahma qualify each other in what sense? By Jiva and Brahma, we mean Tat and Tvam. That uh, Tvam only, which is Tat, that, that being Brahman. And that being Brahman, which is nothing other than you, the Jiva. So Tat qualifies Tvam and Tvam qualifies Tat. In that sense, we can take it to cut out all other options. But it doesn't work. See, the whole problem is how can the blue and lotus are compatible? Because we immediately, and when you put them together, we immediately understand what blue lotus is. But what is Tattvam? Tat, pure existence, Brahman, or Saguna Brahman, Ishvara, and Tvam means Jiva. If you put them together, if you say qualifying each other, Jiva Ishvara, what does it mean? It seems mass of contradiction. So then we go into the third and last step, Lakshyartha. I hope you are with me so far. Uh, Samana Vikarnyam, all the words refer to one reality. Then we were invited to take a look. An option is being offered. You have to be careful what the shopkeeper offers you. Please accept Lakshya Lakshya, this Visheshana Visheshya Bhava. Very, be very careful. You'll be trapped into Vishishtadvaita if you accept it. But we bypass it and say, yes, Jiva and Brahman, they qualify each other, but in what way? Still contradiction is there. Uh, what is the contradiction? Jiva. Tvam. Tvam means Jiva. Poor boy, Shweta Ketu. 
body mind sentient being with body mind uh, jiva is alpagya so little we know ishvara is sarvagya all knowing omniscient uh, jiva is subject to birth and death ishvara is nitya um, jiva has so little power alpa shaktiman ishvara is sarva shaktiman jiva has alpa vyapti and ishvara is sarva vyapti all contradiction how the two can be together how the two can see like neel and blue and lotus easily fit immediately you get a clear meaning but jiva on one hand ishvara on the other hand if you try to put them together they don't match they have contradictory qualities uh, one specific quality is, which is mentioned may seem strange but it has to be understood in the context of vedanta jiva is aparoksha ishvara is paroksha what does it mean i am the jiva i may experience my existence my awareness directly my awareness my conscious i the consciousness i am experienced to myself directly right now i am aware of myself in fact before i become aware of anything else before i see anything hear anything smell or taste or touch anything i am aware of my own existence even before i think or contemplate on anything i am aware of my own existence this is called aparoksha the jiva is aparoksha chaitanya directly available to us we are the tat adhitvam the tvam in tatvamasi in pragyanam brahma the pragyanam part of it is directly available to us right now did you notice what it, uh, he said yena ikshate jignati um, uh, shrinoti hearing smelling tasting touching these are direct experiences for us not something to be believed in contrast when you talk about ishvara the lord uh, vakratunda mahakaya ganesha chaturthi paroksha vedanta is very harsh it may be your beloved krishna your beloved divine mother beloved um, ramachandra or ganesha but you must admit it is a matter of faith it is a matter of faith what you are seeing is an image what you worship as god is also still you are believing in it it is there don't worry i'm not being skeptical but still until you are an enlightened being till that point god when you speak about saguna brahman ishvara tat is a matter of faith faithful it is called paroksha chaitanya paroksha means not directly available to us so brahman saguna brahman is paroksha ishvara is paroksha <coughs> and i myself to myself i am a paroksha how the two can be same tat and tvam tvam do you see the difference tat god matter of faith i believe in it i find in temple i'm told about it tvam you or i aham brahmasmi i matter of direct experience all the time so paroksha paroksha sarvagya alpagya sarva shaktiman alpa shaktiman sarvavyapi alpavyapi it's so much contradiction how can the two be the same how can shwetaketu be sat so now we come to to resolve this we enter the third step lakshyartha lakshyartha literally means implied meaning so these terms have to be uh, kept in mind primary meaning implied meaning or primary meaning secondary meaning secondary meaning or implied meaning same thing primary meaning is mukhya mukhyartha primary meaning vachyartha the verbal or literal meaning abhidartha the dictionary meaning 
simply. When you say Tat Saguna Brahman Ishwara, then Lakshyartha, implied meaning or secondary meaning. So there are two words which are used Lakshyartha or Gaunartha, secondary meaning of Lakshyartha. Lakshyartha means implied meaning. Distinguish between Lakshana and Lakshyartha. Lakshyartha means implied meaning. Lakshana means definition, it's different. So Lakshyartha is implied meaning. Now, what, what is this? When uh, the direct meanings do not work, one has to go for implied meaning. I'll repeat that. In a sentence, when we're trying to understand, if the direct meanings, the primary meanings of the word, mukhyartha, vachyartha, does not work, does not give you a logical sentence, does not give you a meaningful sentence, in order to get the meaning out of a sentence, you can say the sentence is meaningless, but you cannot do that for Veda. Veda sentences cannot be meaningless. Upanishad sentences cannot be meaningless. So when the Upanishad says, Tattvamasi, it definitely means something. Aham Brahmas means some deep meaning there. For that, direct meaning is not working. Why? Mass of contradictions. We just read Jiva Ishwara, vast contradiction, gulf. So how to resolve that? How to find out the actual meaning? We have to use what is called Lakshyartha, implied meaning. Implied meaning. What is the implied meaning of Tattvamasi? Or any of them. Aham Brahmasmi, Pragyanam Brahma, so on. Again, complication. Three more options. So it's like American supermarket. Every item has so many, uh, you know, uh, brands and options are there, endless options. You want Lakshyartha? Um, yes, yes, we need, we were shopping for Lakshyartha. Here are three options. You choose which one you want. Again, danger is that if you choose one, a whole Advaita will collapse. So what are the options for Lakshyartha? How do we solve the um, contradictory meanings of sentences? What are the possible ways of solving this problem? One is the three options. Jahad Lakshana, Ajahad Lakshana, and Jahad Ajahad Lakshana or Bhagat Tyaga Lakshana. Jahad Lakshana, Ajahad Lakshana, Jahad Ajahad Lakshana or Bhagat Tyaga Lakshana. Same thing. Third one is called Ajahad Ajahad or Bhagat Tyaga Lakshana. What do they mean? And remember, as we go into it, it may seem all very complicated and what's going on. We use these all the time without knowing that we are doing such some sophisticated uh, hermeneutics. We are use, use them all the time in our day-to-day -day activity. Jahad Lakshana, first of all, where you give up, see the meanings are not compatible. So when you give up the original meaning and take a meaning which is compatible. The words, the word meaning, which is creating problem for you, give up those meanings, discard them, and take a more meaningful, take a meaning which is compatible. Example. The classic example which is given in Vedanta is Gangayam Ghoshaha. Gangayam Ghoshaha, which means the cowherds or the milkmen colony is on the Ganga. Ghosha, Ghoshapalli means, Ghoshas are the milkmen, they su supply milk to the town. So they live in a colony. Where is the colony? It's on the Ganga. So Ganga is the Adhara or the Adhikarana, the 
place, the base on which is situated the colony of the milkman. Now, impossible. Ganga is Jaladhara, it's a stream of water. How can the milkman colony be situated? It'll be cows and milkmen all will be washed away. We know what it means. It means on the bank, Ganga Tire. Give up the primary meaning of Ganga. Give up the primary meaning of Ganga. What is it? The river flowing from Gangotri to Bay of Bengal. That is the primary meaning of Ganga, the stream of water. That is not the meaning of Ganga in this case. What is the meaning of Ganga in this case? It means the bank of the Ganges, bank of Ganga. I remember in some of the early letters of Swami Vivekananda, when he established Belurmat in India, in, in, um, near Calcutta, it, the address would be Belur on the Ganges. On the Ganges. Does it mean the ashram is in the, in the river? No, it is on the bank of the river. When you go to Shakespeare's house, Stratford on Avon, on, on Avon, on the uh, Avon River, uh, Stratford on Avon, the, the town is situated on the river. So it means on the bank. This is Jahad Lakshana. You have given up the original meaning, now got a meaning. But remember, the meaning must be compatible and also logical. It must be, uh, you can't say, Gangayam Gosha, you cannot have the, the colony of the, the Goshas on the Ganga, so you must, it must be on the bank of Yamuna. You can't say that. It has to be somewhere near. The meaning should be, should be appropriate. So you can't take a random meaning. It has to be on the bank of the Ganga. Will, can you do that for, that for Tattvamasi, Jahad Lakshana? Can you give it up? That um, you give up the meanings of uh, the uh, jiva. What is jiva? Consciousness associated with these limitations. Alpa gyatva, alpa shakti matva, with body, mind. If you give up the meaning of jiva, will it, will it fit? No, it cannot. After all, what we want to say is uh, pragyanam and brahma are the same consciousness. But if you give up pragyanam, the entire consciousness itself, then the meaning will not fit. What is pragyanam or what is tvam or what is aham? In each case, the jiva, the word referring to the jiva. Consciousness limited by body-mind with lot of limitations. Alpayu, alpashakti, alpagyana. Now, if I give up the whole meaning, then consciousness also will go along with everything. Um, with all the characteristics, with, along with body-mind, you are pure consciousness also. If you give up the meaning of, of jiva, uh, then consciousness along with body-mind, the whole thing will be given up. No, that cannot be done. So should we give up the meaning of Ishwara? No, Jahat Lakshana. Same problem. What is Ishwara? Maya Upaita Chaitanya. Consciousness associated with Maya. Along with Maya, consciousness, baby with bath, bath water will go. Again, it will not fit. After all, our whole point is Tat and Tvam, Aham and Brahma, Pragyanam and Brahma, they all must point to one Satchidananda. But if you because Satchidananda is there in each of them. But if you throw out their total meaning, Satchidananda also will be thrown out with it. Satchidananda also will be thrown out with it. And then you cannot have the meaning. Um, so, Jahad Lakshana is not applicable. It is not like Gangayam Gosha. Second option, uh, Ajahad Lakshana. In this one, you don't discard the meaning. You add one more meaning to make it meaningful, appropriate. Example they give is, Shona Dhavati. Shona Dhavati means the red one is running, the red is running or the brown is running. What do you mean brown is running? Meaning, it's how can brown run? It's a color. 
red run how can it how can it run it's a color so what the context is horse race is going on and people are shouting look the, the red the red one is is running ahead red one is winning how can a color win what they mean is the red horse shona ashwadhavati you add one more word it will become meaningful the whole thing will become meaningful just add one more word if you add one thing the sentence becomes meaningful shona dhavati red is running we normally use these words red is running add one more word red horse is running the whole thing becomes meaningful in that way can we add something to tattvamasi to make it meaningful can jiva and ishvara become the same if we add um let us say we retain the jiva's qualities i am jiva plus i add ishvara's qualities one more thing then will it become one and the same it cannot be because they are contradictory qualities um one example joke uh, is uh, i think swami paramarthan ji told this joke or somebody told this joke uh, uh said that their husband and wife they're going to the party and the wife tells the husband hey your socks are smelling put on new socks so all right they put on new fresh pair of socks and they go to the party in the party that's again foul smell is coming and the wife goes near the husband and whispers i told you to change the socks and put on fresh socks husband says i put on the fresh socks yeah, how is that smell coming oh the old ones are in my pocket now see if you keep the old ones in your pocket and uh, put on new ones you've added the new socks but the smell of the old one will keep coming similarly if you keep jiva with all our problems with body mind problem with our limited knowledge with our desires raga dvesha all sufferings plus you add something else from ishvara it will not solve the problem of samsara you will still retain the smell of jivahood of limitation um so it will not be uh, ajahad lakshana that does not work then the third one bhagatyaga lakshana jahad ajahad lakshana where you sacrifice a part of the meaning and keep another part of the meaning then the two terms will fit example soyam devadattaha this is a classic example from vedanta this is that devadatta this is that devadatta means that devadatta whom i saw in mumbai that devadatta now devadatta just and some person now i am seeing in new jersey or in new york that devadatta whom i saw 30 years ago that devadatta i am seeing today that devadatta who was a young man that devadatta is an old man now and that devadatta who uh, was slim and fit that devadatta has a big tummy now now this huge difference we are seeing so many contradictory qualities past devadatta present devadatta old young devadatta old devadatta um fit devadatta whereas ponchi devadatta and so on all these qualities young old past present mumbai um, new york all these are contradictory qualities and yet we know we discard those qualities mentally and we know it is the same person it looks different time is different place is different everything is different and yet we know it is the same person so what are we doing we are keeping the person and ignoring the other incidental qualities that's how we recognize a person so uh, we use this all the time in the i remember in the monastery i'm going to take a ganga bath today a bath in the ganga now what is the meaning of ganga river from gangotri to uh, bay of bengal are you going to swim from gangotri to bay of bengal no i am just going to take a bath in the river Uh, which is on the on the bank of the monastery just one dip in that place only but what am i saying 
I am taking a bath in the river. So I am discarding the meaning of the river uh, and only taking part of it. That part in the front of the monastery. Not discarding the entire meaning, not adding anything to it. Bhagatyaga, jahad, ajahad, jahad, giving up, ajahad, not giving up. Bhagatyaga, giving up, only partly, bhaga. Uh, I ate, I bought a mango. I ate a mango. Common use, but you see the difference. When I say I bought a mango, I mean the entire mango. I don't say to the shopkeeper, give me only the flesh and keep the skin and the seed. We don't say that. We buy the entire mango. But when I say I ate the mango, same word. It is understood. I discarded the skin. I discarded the seed. I only ate the flesh of the mango. Bhagatyaga Lakshana. We automatically use these things. These are nothing particularly sophisticated or very deep. Now, you apply it to Tattvamasi. Ignore the fact that um, Ishwara is Sarvagya. Ignore the fact that I or Shweta Ketu is Alpagya. Ignore the fact that Ishwara is Sarvabhyapi and I am only in one body mind. Ignore the fact that uh, Ishwara is all powerful and I am only uh, have little power. All of that if you ignore, take only consciousness. One is Agyana Upahita Chaitanyam, another one is Maya Upahita Chaitanyam. Ignore Agyana and Maya, take Chaitanyam and Chaitanyam. Chaitanyam is one and the same. Same pure consciousness appears with Maya Upadhi as Saguna Brahman and with Body Mind Upadhi as Pragyanam. Ignore the Upadhi. Shankaracharya says, Avidya Janita Upadhi. The Upadhis are born of Avidya, they are not real. Ignoring the Upadhi. What is the Upadhi of Jiva? Sthula Sharira, Sukshma Sharira and Karana Sharira. Or Panchakosha. Ignoring the Upadhi of the Jiva, you get pure consciousness. Ignoring the Maya Upadhi of Ishwara, the glory of Ishwara, you get pure consciousness. As pure consciousness, they are same. It's like saying, ocean and wave are same. It can never be. One wave and the ocean cannot be the same. But as water, both are same. The wave is nothing but water and the ocean is nothing but water. As water, they are the same. Similarly, Ishwara and Jiva can never be the same. Ishwara is vast and powerful and glorious. Jiva, we are ordinary. Ishwara is one. We are many. So on. But as pure consciousness, we are exactly the same. If you say, what is the use of this? If we are different in so many ways and in only one way we are the same, what is the point of it? But the difference is Maya Upadhi or Avidya Upadhi. They are illusory differences. The differences are not real. And the reality is we are same in one real thing, which is pure consciousness. Pure consciousness, pure being, Sat is pure existence. Sat Chidananda, common to Ishwara and Jiva, to Shweta Ketu and to Sat. So, there both are equal. Tat and Tvam are the, not equal, are identical. Tat and Tvam are identical as Sat. Pragyanam Brahma. Pragyanam and Brahma are identical as Chit, as consciousness. And that is the only real thing. All the differences are products of Maya. See, if these differences were real, then it is no use saying Jiva and Ishwara are the same thing. Then the difference would be vast. But these differences are not real. They are produced by Maya. They are like differences in a dream. In a dream. Or suppose, let's take this example. Um, again, classic Vedantic example. 
three friends are going in the darkness and semi-darkness and they see there's a rope there, but they don't see it as a rope. One says, oh, there's a snake. Other one says, no, no, don't worry. It is just a, a garland thrown from the temple, mala, pushpa mala. Another one says, no, no, the last earthquake or uh, there was a crack in the ground that is bhuchidra. It is a crack in the ground. All of them see the same shape. One sees sarpa, snake, mistake. Another one sees pushpa mala, mistake. Another one sees bhuchidra, uh, crack on the ground, mistake. What is it really? It is really a rope. Now, if somebody comes and tells them, it's a rope. They will not see it because they are, none of them are seeing a rope. What is a rope? The, the way to teach them will be your snake and Pushpa Mala and Bhuchidra are the one and the same thing. Snake is equal to Pushpa Mala, snake is equal to garland, is equal to crack on the earth, Bhuchidra. How can snake and garland and crack on the earth be the same thing? How strange. Because it is not a snake. It is not a garland. It is not a crack on the earth. It is all throughout only rope and rope only. I'm trying to indicate and the only way of indicating something that is not obvious to you is by nisheda of the error. The error that you are making has to be negated. Then only will discover the underlying reality. Otherwise, if you see a rope, they'll start looking for a rope somewhere. They don't know that they're seeing the rope. Similarly, we are this Satchidananda. That's the only reality. But because of these imagined, projected differences, body, mind, samashti vyashti, you see, in the example, someone might object. You gave example of water and ocean and wave, Swami. But it is true that the wave is water. It is true that the ocean is water. But ocean has more water, wave has less water. And so that's why example, you have to be very careful. It is true in the case of ocean and wave. Wave has less water and ocean has more water. But it's more and less only in Jada Jagat. In the case of Jiva and Ishwara, when you say Satchidananda, it is not that Ishwara has a bigger supply of Satchidananda, we have only tiny supply of Satchidananda. No, it is the same undivided. There is no division possible in Satchidananda. You are the infinite as much as Ishwara is the infinite. You are the infinite, he is the infinite, she is the infinite, Ishwara is the infinite, one and the same infinite. So this is the result of Lakshyartha. Putting all this together, we started with Tattvamasi. And by our earlier process of asserting the meaning with the six-fold science, we know Tattvamasi means you, Shweta Ketu, are the uh, are, are tat, Sat. You are Sat, pure being, uh, which existed before the manifestation of the universe. How? Because the word, word that sentence Tattvamasi does not make sense. So you have to put it through a process of, uh, uh, like an algorithm of three steps. Samanadhikaranyam. Is it an identity statement? Yes, all are in Pratamabhivakti. Then, Visheshana Visheshya Bhava. The two qualify each other in what sense? Not in the Vishishtadvaita sense. So, Jiva qualifies Ishwara, Ishwara qualifies Jiva. How? You have to come to Lakshartha. You can drop the second one and come directly from Samanadikaranyam to Lakshartha also. But I did it only because Sadananda Yogendra does it in, in uh, Vedanta Sar. So, in Lakshartha, we have again three options. Jad Lakshana, Ajad Lakshana, remember? Gangayam, Gosha, Shona, Dhavati, none of them are useful for us. The last one, Bhagatyaga Lakshana. Example, Soyam Devadatta. Soyam Devadatta is very much, is exactly like Tattvamasi. Sa Devadatta, that Devadatta. Ayam Devadatta, this Devadatta. That Devadatta is past Devadatta. Mumbai Devadatta, young Devadatta. 
this devadatta is present devadatta new york devadatta old devadatta you discard past and present you discard you, you automatically do it it is nothing illogical about it we discard old and young we discard mumbai and new york we say it is the same person similarly you discard these incidental appearances body mind and ishwara's glory and see the existence is the same reality is the same same gold manufactured into ganesha and manufactured into the mouse of ganesha as gold it is one and the same the story is there that one uh, businessman who had fallen upon hard times he went to pawn girvi rakna he went to pawn his uh, ganapati statue image with the jeweler and said ganapati ka kya rate doge what rate will you give me of offer for for ganapati for ganesha he weighed it and he said this much rate i will give per ounce of gold chuhe ka kya rate doge what will you give for the mouse he said same rate and the man was very angry what ganesh and mouse don't you have any faith and don't you have any shame same ganesh and mouse are same to you and the jeweler said i'm sorry sir but it is ganesha for you and mouse for you for me it is only gold aapke liye ganesh ganapati hai aap chuha hai mere liye to sona hi hai na so in the same way devadat uh, this shwetaketu and tat sat that that ultimate reality creator of the universe and this boy devad uh, shwetaketu their name and form they are different but as existence as awareness they are one and the same thing that is the meaning of tattvamasi so this is what is going on in all the four mahavakyas jiva and ishwara are present tattvamasi tat is saguna brahman and tvam is jiva pragyanam brahma pragyanam is our day to day our, our uh, jiva experiences seeing hearing smelling tasting touching brahman is the absolute the consciousness of of the saguna brahman now both are the same thing how as pure consciousness then notice in the first verse that consciousness which enables you to see hear smell taste touch second verse that consciousness which is in brahma in indra in the devatas in human beings in all living creatures i don't think i am that i think i am the consciousness in this fellow only but is equating the two what is the consciousness in all beings krishna said kshetragyam chaapi maam vidhi sarvakshetre shubharata i am the consciousness in all beings who is krishna god saguna brahman avatara but saguna brahman how can i the jiva be the same as saguna brahman you have to drop the incidental attributes aham brahmasmi who is aham the shishya aham i've been told by the guru tattvamasi now i say aham brahmasmi i'm inquiring aham is i this fellow vedanta student brahman is ishwara how the two can be one and the same thing as by taking lakshyartha as pure consciousness when i realize i am atma brahma this very self is the ultimate reality ultimate reality of this universe and the self here how they can be the same thing only when you discard the totality of the universe and the individuality of this person behind it beyond samashti and vishti one reality only okay we have gone over time we just finished i think two observations very nice i will tell them tomorrow Oh, let me tell one. This is very short. I'll just tell one, and last one I'll leave for tomorrow, which is a very nice uh, discussion. Uh, one observation is 
when you say tattvamasi or aham brahmas when you say aham brahmasmi um, note one thing we understand is that i it's being told to be that i am brahman i am um, i am nothing other than brahman i am pure consciousness but the full meaning of the thing will become shockingly clear when you see both sides aham brahmasmi means i am nothing other than brahman and brahman is nothing other than me nothing other than i tattvamasi means you are nothing other than brahman but it also means brahman is nothing other than you say so, no 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 sir that is too much i am brahman i am i'm fine with it but brahman also can be all these other things also other people no 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 you are making a big mistake if you do that then you also cannot be brahman you have to give up these individualities individuality is only name and form you are there is no question of totality and part purna and amsha it will become vishishtadvaita it is beyond the concept of purna and amsha there is no question of division brahman is bheda traya rahita swagata bheda sajatiya bheda and vijatiya bheda rahita there is no nothing other than brahman there is not more than one brahman and within brahman also no divisions so there is no parts of brahman you are brahman and that's it when you say i am brahman it means i am not body i am not mind notice shankaracharya when he says chidananda roopa shivoham but before that three lines mano buddha hankar chittani naham i am not the mind not the intellect not the memory and not the uh, ego i am not the five pranas i am not the body made of five elements then only i say chidananda roopa shivoham and even more shocking brahman is nothing other than you which means the ultimate reality there is no shiva ganapati durga um, you know all, all the forms of the divine may sound blasphemous but actually they are nothing other than you the real you it is not that they, they are, such things exist apart from you you are the one the real you is the one with maya upadi who appears as narayana or shiva or devi or ganapati so other than you no brahman other than brahman no you you are nothing other than brahman brahman is nothing other than you that's one observation i wanted to make which is pretty stunning actually uh, one sadhu very senior monk he told me once he had gone to see swami premeshanand ji who was a disciple of ma sharada uh, uh, sharada mani devi so premeshanand ji was a very old monk at that time and this person who told me he was a young man he had gone to meet that swami the swami suddenly touched him like this like this and he got startled he said look look that one who got startled other than that he used an abusive term there is no rascal called god kono sala bhagwan nahi other than that what is that normally what we we react is, oh i am i am this this is my awareness that is pragyanam that is pragyanam the awareness which we feel right now understood properly it is the limitless awareness and that limitless awareness with the maya upadhis alone what religion worships as god so he is right when he says there is no rascal called god kono sala bhagwan nahi other than that consciousness but he is using now we know all the technical terms he is using pragyanam as lakshyartha as the secondary meaning the implied meaning of pragyanam normally what we mean by pragyanam is our you know as the open as the panchadashi said jigrati 
shrinoti ikshate seeing hearing smelling tasting touching our day to day activities we doesn't seem to be anything extraordinary one more story and then i'll take the questions uh, sri ramkrishna story about the washerman who found a diamond but did not know it was a diamond you know in india how the washerman washed the clothes he would, he would take the dirty clothes to the bank of the river wash them and scrub them with that new stone he had found because that's the only use he knew about it one day luckily he thought this is a strange stone let me ask my friend the vegetable seller what uh, he is more intelligent than me so he showed it to the vegetable seller vegetable seller said yes it is a very pretty stone i will give you uh, one or 10 kgs of brinjals for it luckily that man did not agree he said let me ask my other friend who is a like this a jeweler he is more intelligent so when he took it finally to the jeweler jeweler said my god what have you got here it's the biggest diamond i have ever known and what are you using it for for scrubbing clothes uh, it, if you sell it all the money that will you will get from it all the sorrows of your life will be over forever for seven generations your children can be super rich so all these troubles were over and this is a story we have all got the diamond what are we using it for ikshate shrinoti idam jigrati aswadu aswadu vijanati i see i hear i smell i taste pleasant and bitter taste you say what is there in this yes do you think it's very ordinary nothing much that which by which we are able to do all this the consciousness continuously shining unflickering light within us which illumines our youth our middle age our old age which illumines our mornings and evenings and nights which illumines our health and uh, illness which illumines our happiness and our worst sorrows that one constant light we do not know its glory it is the only reality of the universe it is brahman it is higher than god himself and that is our real nature that's the diamond which we have all got so the guru and upanishad is the jeweler who tells us look your own pragyanam there is nothing higher than that tomorrow if you get the vision of god only by the pragyanam only with that vision of god will be illumined even the vision of god depends on that that consciousness which you are tattvamasi okay one more point was there which i will take up tomorrow uh, are there questions we can take up a few questions vikram saxena thank you swami ji um so when we are doing this mahavakyas and uh, like pragyanam brahman um the first part which is you know the witness consciousness in me um which is very much accessible to us as you said yes. it is called aparoksha chaitanya yes and when we do like drigdrishya viveka or uh, panchakosha viveka we can actually isolate that witness yes. and meditation yes. and we get a direct understanding that this witness consciousness illumines my mind my thought even the blankness the the uh, causal body everything illumined by me but then from that point when you try to go to the infinite nature of hmm. consciousness hmm. um the, the arguments that you gave well uh, though that reasoning applies that this consciousness consciousness cannot be many so it has to be one because there is no differentiation within consciousness hmm. so consciousness is the same in everybody and it's the one all pervading consciousness and moreover this consciousness the world the universe cannot be separate from this consciousness because 
nothing can be experienced outside of consciousness. So yes, in is within or in appearance in consciousness. But so from up from that point of understanding, which seems to me is a combination of aparoksha jnana plus some reasoning, what is the leap that one needs to make to get to enlightenment? Uh, where is there a direct subjective experience, or is this just an intuitive understanding? Um, let me give answer to okay. both these questions. First, let me. I thought you were driving in a different direction. Let me mention that okay. and then come to your question. What I was thinking about was, you will say. I was thinking you wanted to say that understanding through the Rigrishya Viveka or Avastatraya Viveka or Panchakosha Viveka, we can understand I am the witness consciousness, witness yes. of the body mind. That's aparoksha, yes. direct. It, it yes. is a little bit of thinking one can understand. That it's at least intellectually yes. one can isolate it. But then you're talking about God and um, the consciousness associated with Maya, the entire the reality of the entire universe from which the universe comes and all. Um, so how do you make that leap? That's what you're saying. So yeah. Shastra makes that leap. But is there anything more required than this? As you said, notice you said after that, that you consider whether this consciousness can be one or many. And you come to the realization that in all beings, it is the same consciousness. Yes. Also, one more thing, the non-sentient things, you know, rocks and stars and planets and all, or, or protons and quasars and all, are they anything apart from consciousness? And you come to the conclusion, no, they are appearances in, conclusion, uh, in consciousness. Yes. If that much you can do, you've actually done the uh, work required by the Mahavakya. The Mahavakya, when it's talking about consciousness associated with the universe, basically what it wants you to understand is you, the consciousness, are not limited. It's a very important point. Even after understanding I am the witness consciousness, deep in, in my mind only, there is a hint of a limitation because I sort of intuitively feel in each of these fellows, these other bodies and minds, a separate consciousness is there. And even if there's one consciousness, mind, body, and the billions of entities of this universe are separate from me, the consciousness. So this feeling of multiplicity and multiplicity means limitation. Yes. Why multiplicity means limitation? I am consciousness. Where does this consciousness, where does it stop? What is its limit? The moment it hits something not conscious, I think I am aware, and here my awareness stops. Here is an object, which I am not. I am this, and this is an other, other than me, dvitiyam. What the Mahavakya basically do, does is, it dissolves all feeling of second. Yes. There is nothing in this universe, nobody in this universe, nothing in your experience which is apart from you, the pure consciousness. First, understand yourself as pure consciousness. That is what the first verse did, Pragyanam. Apart yes. from all the experiences and activities, I am the unchanging light. Done. Yes. But this unchanging light is the same unchanging light in all beings. Not a different, um, you know, different instance of that unchanging light. It is the very same unchanging light in all beings. Not only that, all beings and living and non-living are nothing other than this unchanging light. They're all names and forms in this unchanging light. Therefore, this unchanging light is the only non-dual non reality, one without a second. And there is nothing other than it. Mahavakya work is done. Nothing okay. more you need to do. So, then what do you mean by enlightenment? Is there all right. Now, your, your, sorry, your question. Your question is enlightenment. Okay. This has to be realized. 
etad vigyam in in the seventh mantra of the mandukya when he says sa atma savigyam when he talks about chaturtham and the turiya it has to be realized what is this realization yes let me put it to you in very direct way this understanding once it becomes clear clarity clarity means without any doubt without any shakiness once it becomes absolutely clear to you, just as it's clear to you that you are vikramna in that sense it becomes clear or even more clear than that unshakably that is enlightenment how does that come about the knowledge that we have now when we have total theoretical clarity yes that itself deepens into enlightenment ideally shravana itself should lead to enlightenment shravanat eva gyanam just by so it's called shabda parokshavad that's what we believe in as advaitins the standard doctrine is shravana and um, there are many problems many obstacles which are overcome by mananam and nidhyasanam so clarity if you feel that there is any problem at all after this stay with that that thought with the with the understanding bring that light of understanding to bear upon the problem mm. you see if i ask you know after all this i have heard this i understand i've been hearing vedanta but i am not enlightened yet then the vedantic vedanta teacher has the right to ask you where is your problem why are you not enlightened why why, why do you say that you are not enlightened no i feel that i am still this body i am this person all right start the process all over again is the body an object yes i am the subject yes subject and object cannot be the same thing is the body changing yes uh, are you an, un- uh, an unchanging awareness yes changing and unchanging cannot be the same thing no in this way you apply all those reasonings and then see after that you still have a problem you come back again start repeat again where are you getting stuck so often we give assent i understand it but we don't note it in that in a, you know that's why when i teach uh, i ask three steps have you heard what i said proof of that you should be able to repeat it earlier days they would make make the students even in our case we have to memorize so the proof you have to offer to the teacher i have memorized the verse i have heard what you said second have you got it you understand it now i can't check whether you have got it but you should be able to check any doubt is there anywhere yes, whatever sir. doubt ask it is not a question of believing not at all you yes. must not believe you must ask yes. that is mananam at the end of mananam how will you know when you have reached end of mananam you will be able to say i not only have heard what you said but i now understand it i get it and convinced it is clear to me then what is the problem it still does not feel real to me it feels like a fine philosophy this feeling of reality it comes to nididhyasanam nididhyasanam yes. is an is an assimilation of what we have already studied and understood we still have viparita bhavana the technical yes. term is a deep seated contrary experience many lifetimes we have practiced jivahood aham brahmasmi is just a new idea for us i am jiva i am body i am mind i am this useless fellow this we have practiced thoroughly life after life we have practiced being miserable we have practiced being attached we have practiced being limited it comes naturally we are experts at that so that has to be overcome yes you have to soak yourself not brainwash or hypnotize yourself you have already understood something why not live according to the light of that understanding adi shankaracharya in his commentary 
See, nowadays we say Shravana Manana and Nididhyasana. But if you go back to the Upanishads, of course it comes from Shotabhya, Mantabhya, Nididhyasitabhya. But in the same, in the Brihadarnika Upanishad, there is um, um, Pandityam, Balyam, Maunam. The same three things are given some interesting name. First stage is Panditya. Literally, it means scholarship. It means Shravanam. I have a thorough mastery of the material. Done. No small thing. You have to keep hearing to get the idea of it because we rarely get to hear these things. We are often fed lower-grade yes. material. So, this is high-grade material. Yes. Um, here, 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 till it becomes yeah. natural. I remember when I first became a brahmachari, a very senior monk used to teach Shankaravashi and the monks, sannyasis used to sit. In those, nowadays they sit in chair and table, there's one carpet we used to sit together in um, near Belur, in Belurmat, in front of that, Sharada Pitan Ashram is there. So I was a new brahmachari and all the others were sannyasis. Other brahmacharis were not so much interested, they were busy with some other work, but I liked it. And the senior monk said, who was teaching, at that time he was more than 90. And only recently passed away at the age of 105. So, <laughs> so he used to say, sit. Brahmachari ji, you sit. Karna Shuddhi, let your ears be purified. Listen, keep on listening. Yes. You listen. Yes. After that, clarity. So, so Swamiji, I think... No, let me finish this. Pandityam, this is the answer to your question. Pandityam, the next stage is called Balyam. Now, it's a very interesting thing. Because the word Balyam... It could be balasya bhava or balasya bhava in Sanskrit. Balya means like a child or strength. Bala means strength. Shankaracharya interprets it as in his commentary as strength. He says, what you have heard, you've already understood something. Now try to not only clarify. You see, mananam, we think of it as a very cognitive process, reasoning. But he says, live your life according to that understanding, as you, you will find resistance, yes. jealousy, irritation, unhappiness, misery. When you yes. find that resistance, use yes. that resistance. And when Buddhists say, the poison can be converted into medicine. It's poison alone, which is converted into medicine. The poison of samsara, when you bring the light of Vedanta, your Vedanta Pandityam, the light of that into it, it will give you strength, balasya bhava, uh, yes. balyam. Then when you meditate upon it, Nididhyasam. Then Brihadaranyak says, Maunam, silence. When you sit with that, it will become clear. Aham Brahmasmi will become an absolutely undeniable fact. And at that moment, that breakthrough, you will notice one characteristic. There will be no denying it. There is no way. Every, every possible objection you throw, you don't have to look at the Shastra also. From that realization, you can answer. And then you will be amazed to see the Shastra is saying the same thing. Not only that, it is effortless. You don't have to keep it alive. Do you have to practice morning and evening? I am Vikram, I am Vikram, I am Vikram. Otherwise, I forget. Please don't disturb me. This is my Vikram meditation time. No. It is effortless for you. Yes. Similarly, Aham Brahmasmi, effortless for you. Yes. Not the slightest bit of practice. You cannot get away from it anymore. It will be yes. there forever. That is enlightenment. And that is just the beginning. And they, they call it Brahmavit. And there will be three more stages after that. But that's just deepening. At that point, you're enlightened, you're Jeevan Mukta and also Moksha is guaranteed for you. Yes. Thank you, Swamiji. I think Viparita Bhavana is the problem that I face generally, contradictory behavior. So I'll tell you, no. no. Any Vedanta master will tell you, 
डोंट वरी सो मच अबाउट विपरीत भावना गो बैक टू श्रवणम से प्रॉपर हियरिंग इज द मेडिसिन फॉर एवरीथिंग when we when we become enlightened will our feeling be i did nididhyasanam properly now i am enlightened no our feeling will be i heard the truth really for the first time i was so many years i was listening to it i did not understand you know the story of the 10th man dashamastomasi we have all heard yes. the story yes enlightenment comes from realizing hearing that i am the 10th man Yes. So I get it. That much is that much only is is enlightenment. Yes. Also, there are impurities, Swamiji. We still have some impurities that. Yes, of course, of course. Yes. That is why all the other sadhana is very much necessary. Karma yoga, Raja yoga, Bhakti yoga, meditation, purification of mind, devotion. Uh, those who think Advaita and devotion are contradictory, not at all. Dangerous misconception. One sadhu in Uttarakhand said. for those on the gyana marga bhakti marga is very useful at the, at the beginning of gyana marga why uh, because our impurities desires he says their desires are of the heart the intellect so after understanding in something in the intellect impurities and vasanas can remain in the heart and can pull us towards samsara yes but bhakti is also of the heart hmm. the same passion which pulls us towards the world same passion bhakti takes and diverts it towards a form of brahman so when i love krishna with all my might i cannot love the world so bhakti purifies the passions the impurities of the mind much faster and it is very useful for a gyani it clears the path very usefully for a gyani so it's a gyani who, who said this that bhakti practice of bhakti is highly recommended for uh, uh, for those on the gyana marga pranam swami thank you, thank you. Uh, Pradeep Devalji, you are next, please. Go ahead. Namaste, Swami Ji. Namaste. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Namaste. Uh, I have two questions. The first one is: We saw the Samana, the Karanam, Visheshana, Visheshya Bhava, and the Lakshartha. Hmm. And in Lakshartha, we saw that Bhagatyaga, Lakshana, is important to apply. Yes. To understand the equity. Uh, under the Vishayan Vishayya Bhava, we said that Amusha um, Amushi part is part whole relationship that is not to be considered because it can lead to Vishesh Vishishta Advaita. That will be a Vishishta Advaitic interpretation. Yes. So, in light of this, uh, I recall chapter fifteenth verse. Yes. How do we interpret that? Yeah, so there immediately you have to apply that angsha. There does not mean actually an angsha of Brahman. Brahman does not have angshas. It is only through Maya uh, that Brahman appears to be an angsha. That means we appear as jivas. One Brahman appearing as many many jivas. Um, that. अविभक्तम चूतेशु विभक्तम इव चस्थितम भगवदगीता इट सेल्फ सेस आई एम वन एंड अनडिवाइडेड इन ऑल बीइंग्स बट आई अपीयर टू बी डिवाइडेड दैट अपीयर टू बी डिवाइडेड इज द सो कॉल्ड अंश विशिष्ट अद्वैत विल जंप अपॉन यू सी अंश इज मेंशनड हियर सो यस दैट्स एन इंटरप्रिटेशन बट फॉर अद्वैत इज नो प्रॉब्लम बिकॉज़ थ्रू माया एन अंश कैन अपीयर नो प्रॉब्लम एट ऑल रिमेंबर माया हैज अंशस Mm-hmm. Maya is capable of innumerable divisions. Yeah. 
Maya, in Maya, there is Samashti and Vyashti. So same consciousness, Samashti means total, Vyashti means individual. The same consciousness can appear to be, now there are 57 people here, can appear to be 57. Why? Because 57 bodies and minds produced by what? By Maya. So Maya is capable of infinite divisions and can make consciousness appear to be infinite in number. Vivekananda gives the example of one sun in the sky reflected in millions of globules of water, appearing to be millions of suns, but actually not, actually only one. And remember, we make the mistake, so I am one of those globules that one sun in the globule. No, no, you are the sun in the sky. You, each one of us, is the entire, in, is the infinity. There's no part division possible. So Amsha Amshi is, uh, we reject it. Thank you, Swamiji. The second question was from the morning, actually. So you mentioned about the Chidabhasa. Yes. Can you explain a little bit more in terms of the Antakkarana? Yes. So the Antakkarana has the capacity of reflecting consciousness. But reflecting is just in a word way of using the words. Because two kinds of models have been developed by post-Shankara Advaitins. Uh, Avachedavada and reflection, uh, Pratibhimbavada. It's like this. Uh, one way could be like the sunlight reflected from the moon illumines the earth. So the moon is the surface which reflects sunlight to the earth and serves the, the purpose of illumination. So moon is behaves for all practical purposes like a luminous body, though it does not have light of its own. As little children, we used to play. We would take shining plates or our tiffin boxes and the sunlight we would reflect on each other's faces just out of naughtiness. Now this tiffin box or the plate is shining, it's, it, it glows and you can direct a beam of light from it, but the, that does not have any light of its own. It's entirely reflecting the light of the sun, but a rock cannot do that. Uh, a tree cannot do that. So it's something about the quality of that surface. Similarly, the Antakkarana being predominantly sattvic, this is a Sankhyan cosmology. Antakkarana being predominantly sattvic has the capacity of channeling, reflecting or limiting consciousness. And it can, in the presence of consciousness, it can behave, it begin to behave like a conscious entity itself. So the Chidabhasa is uh, the reflection of consciousness in the Antakkarana, in the Buddhi, in the, even more precisely in the Ahankara, in the, in the function of the ego. In the function of the ego, three things are there. One is the Ahankara, which is a function of the mind, the Vritti itself. The other one is the Chidabhasa, the consciousness reflected in that Ahankara. And the other one is pure consciousness, Sakshi. Remember, Sakshi is always there. The Atma, Chaitanya, um, Sakshi, that is always there. You are that pure consciousness reflected in the, the, the Antakkarana Vritti called Ahankara. Uh, and the reflection is called Chidabhasa. The Chidabhasa lights up the Vrittis. Whenever there's a Vritti in the Antakkarana, it functions like this. So suppose a pen comes before me. Through the normal process of perception, this information is transmitted through the sense organs to the uh, Antakkarana. And an image, a vritti of this pen is formed in the Antakkarana. At this stage, when the mind gets this information, this is called vritti vyapti, the Antakkarana taking the form of the object. The vritti is of the Antakkarana and the content of the vritti is pen. So pen, akara, vritti comes in the Antakkarana. But Antakkarana is also reflecting consciousness. Chidavasa is shining in the Antakkarana. So that reflected consciousness immediately lights up whatever you put in the Antakkarana that is immediately lit up by consciousness, reflected consciousness. So the Chidavasa lighting up the Penakara Vritti, we call that Phalabhyapti. 
that shining vritti we get the experience i know a pen or i see a pen i it is taking so long to say it it happens continuously instantaneously all the time one more point about chidabhasa is the chidabhasa different from sakshi or is it the same both different and same when i say when chidabhasa illumines the pen so is chidabhasa the knower is chidabhasa the illuminer is chidabhasa knowing the pen or is sakshi knowing the pen ultimately it is sakshi knowing the pen the example i gave up in the night is moonlight illumining the earth or sunlight illumining the earth it is actually technically correct to say sun, uh, moonlight is illumining the earth but really that moonlight is nothing other than sunlight only at night if you say sunlight is shining very strongly tonight what a beautiful sunlight people will think you are mad it's it's moonlight similarly right now if i say i the pure consciousness reflected in the mind uh, as uh, chidabhasa am now uh, shining upon the vritti of the coffee taking a sip of coffee people will think you are mad they just say that i am enjoying the coffee that's all <laughs> but all this process is there so chidabhasa is nothing other than the pure consciousness uh, it is pure consciousness it is sakshi uh, the sakshi itself knows the pramata the knower is nothing other than the sakshi yet there is a difference sakshi is permanent sakshi is real sakshi is you the chidabhasa is impermanent the moment the mind goes to sleep no chidabhasa the chidabhasa is limited sakshi is one consciousness chidabhasa is there in this mind separate in that mind separate in that mind it depends on the reflecting medium just like you go to a barber shop you have only one face but as many mirrors so many faces you will see now those faces are they you or not in one sense yes it is identical to you in all features in another sense no they are they belong to the mirror that's why there are as many mirrors so many faces as many antakaranas so many chidabhasas yeah. and in terms of aham and idam vritti yes that is uh, chidabhasa is same as aham vritti a part of yes and remember the lakshyartha of the aham vritti will be pure pure consciousness sakshi the vachyartha will be the chidabhasa i the chidabhasa so when you say aham vritti it includes ahankara it's a vritti the ego is there plus consciousness chidabhasa plus the source of that consciousness sakshi all are there normally when so panchadashikara also says this very interesting difference between aham vritti of ordinary agyani and and jivan mukta there are three meanings of aham ordinary persons uh, agyanis use one meaning and jivan mukta uses two meanings so three meanings are there what is the meaning the ordinary person uses aham vritti to mean this ego and it refers to what body mind aham i am this fellow i am very clear about it no need to think jivan mukta when the jivan mukta says aham it means the lakshyartha sakshi chidananda roopah shivo aham shankaracharya can say that with confidence chid ananda roopah shiva chid aham ananda aham ananda roopah aham shivo aham that is the primary meaning the vachyartha that's the that is the primary meaning of aham for an uh, enlightened person jivan mukta but gaunartha the enlightened person also uses aham in a secondary sense to refer to body mind why 
in order to converse with us, in order to transact with us. And Sri Ramakrishna used to say um, that, you know, I'll have a glass of water. Now, I'll have a glass of water. Is Brahman going to have a glass of water? No. He means through this body and mind. Sometimes they make this slip. They say, when you come, you would say, tell to devotees, um, bring something for this, this, this place, you would say, this thing. So that he is referring to the body mind as this. Yeah. So aham has three meanings. One is Agyani uses body mind. Uh, second meaning is used by the Jivan Mukta as Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi Chidananda Rupa Shivoham. And third meaning is also used by Jivan Mukta to refer to his or her body mind just in order to converse with people. And I sometimes people get carried away. Oh, the Vedantic texts tell us always use common sense. People get carried up after reading Vedanta. I've, I've got letters, emails from people saying, I, the pure consciousness who in this manifested body and mind has got the name and form of Mr. Mishra. Why say so much? Just say, I am Mr. Mishra. <laughs> you don't have to say anything more. Yeah. Thank you, sir. We'll take one more question. Hold on to the questions, huh? Rahul Ji, you are next, and, and that's the last question. This is Rahul again. Yeah. So we have in our history of Gautam Buddha, Mahavir Swami, they are not associated with Advaita uh, teachings. And over a period of time, we have had uh, saints who are uh, associated with Advaita, Vashista Advaita, and even dualism. Hmm. Uh, they're being enlightened. Uh, would they not? experience and awaken to the same nature of reality of being one with uh, the universal consciousness Brahman? Yes, they would. They would. I firmly believe that in every tradition, great saints, enlightened beings have come. And as Hindus, we believe that. We are not narrow or fanatical. Uh, so yes, in every tradition, there have been enlightened people. Then why um, uh, are there so many expressions? Some are dualistic, then some speak the language of bhakti, others um, speak the language of yoga or you know, in Jainism in different aspects, Buddhism in different aspects. So one um, unique thing about Sri Ramakrishna was that he said, as many faiths, so many paths. That which we are approaching is infinite, is beyond all language, beyond conception. When you try to bring it within language and conception, you will get different uh, paths, especially also depending on our cultural conditioning. So after doing sadhana, if my cultural conditioning is of a Christian or of a Vaishnava, after doing sadhana, I get uh, some experience and then I say I have experienced Narayana or I have experienced the Christ. It's my culture. What, what the mind is uh, soaked in that will come through in the moment of realization. Sri Ramakrishna used to see, he, at that time he saw this photography for the first time. So he was told that this plate is there, then this, I think, silver nitrate is put on it, and the light streams through it, and a shape is captured on it. He liked it. He gave this example later on. He says that masala, that silver nitrate, that is like the masala of bhakti. If you soak your mind in it, then your realization will be in the form of the, your chosen deity of your ideal. But if it is not soaked in that masala, in, in that silver nitrate, you know, um, it's just plain glass. 
then only radiant light will stream through it. No form will be left on it. So one is a dualistic bhakti type of realization. The other one is a non-dualistic realization of myself as that formless, as that infinite existence consciousness bliss. The basic idea is because the, it is, the reality is infinite, when you approach it in different ways, you will get uh, different experiences and different models of it, paradigms mm -hmm. of it. And that explains various paths which have come throughout history. Um, so that way, as Hindus, we can appreciate the enormous variety in our own religion and also appreciate other religions also, more than they can and in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you might say at this point, if that is so, then why are you insisting on Advaita? Swami Vivekananda made it a point. When he came to this country, he said, it is the, in fact, we must insist on Advaita. First of all, it is the only thing which is, which is, um, which is acceptable to a rational person in the modern age. Vivekananda, 100 years ago, he said, more than 100 yes. years ago. Today, if you're going to apply the criterion of reason, of skepticism, of logic, and apply it to religion, others will fall like dominoes. It is Advaita alone which can withstand a storm. Sam Harris, we talked about Sam Harris. Yes. In his book, Waking Up, he says, he completely dismisses all religion as nonsense, as superstitious nonsense. As something old tribal superstition, which, which we need not believe in now. And then he says, but there are these two traditions, the Madhyamaka Buddhism of Tibetan Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta in Hinduism, which have a core of truth. In that also, he does not accept everything. They have a core of truth which cannot be dismissed. Nobody can dismiss this. He himself practiced also and he felt the reality of it. Logically, you cannot dismiss. And today, with David Chalmers, the hard problem of consciousness, it is leading that way. Leading Western thinkers who have no commitment to Eastern religion. They are not talking about consciousness as a fundamental reality of the universe. Look it up. Hard problem of consciousness, panpsychism. Huge debate is going on. Materialists, reductionists are furious. They don't want to accept it. But now these people are saying that there is no other way. You must accept consciousness as a fundamental reality of the universe. Somebody said to me, Swami, you are saying that they are accepting this, but they are saying material universe is real and one more fundamental reality has to be added to it, which is called consciousness. So very good. You know what this is? 5,000 years ago, the sage Kapila in India said, consciousness and matter are the two realities, Prakriti and Purusha. Today, it is not Kapila, maybe uh, Chamas, maybe Avatar of Kapila or something. <laughs> He's saying <laughs> the same thing, basically, exactly the same thing, 5,000 years afterwards. Yes. Uh, so, um, that is a step forward. I had a dialogue with Deepak Chopra. So, <laughs> in that dialogue, he said, before that, he was saying, Swamiji, these people are stealing our ideas and uh, they're not giving credit to us. I said, let it be. If David Chamas and others, uh, they uh, talk about it, coming entirely from a Western perspective, without any kind of Eastern background, then it makes them more acceptable. If they say, I've got this idea from Buddhism, I've got this idea from Vedanta, people will dismiss. It's some kind of religion. But you say, I've got this idea entirely from logic, from thinking. We cannot reconcile the first person experience with neuroscience. Then the consciousness must be a reality in itself. We must think of something new. He says, I have these crazy ideas to give. That consciousness is a fundamental reality of the universe. <laughs> then see how many papers are being written, how tempers are flaring all over 
if you had just said it is a buddhist idea they will say oh, very good cute fine finished and just wanted to uh, compliment you swamiji that uh, you are gnani and you clarify so many questions that came to mind in vedanta i personally see you as a Veda, uh, vivekananda of our times <laughs> in, uh, indeed and in uh, fact, we are fortunate to ha have you um so i had a question is like question that i always had in my mind but afraid to ask um how about your in terms of your spiritual growth uh, have you received enlightenment have you awakened <laughs> sorry if i i'm asking respectfully <laughs> that's uh, something i will never tell you <laughs> okay no uh, okay. it does not matter it it's something that we will all attain in fact one professor in harvard he said to me very brilliant man one of the most brilliant men i've met he said to me you might not think that at harvard university professors sitting around and talking about enlightenment they are and there are in philosophy department very interesting discussions are going on so one professor said how many people attain enlightenment practically speaking in this lifetime how many people will attain enlightenment very few statistically very few so why should one try for enlightenment so i gave two standard answers he gave me a third one very beautiful answer i will share those answers with you the answers i gave to that professor were one we will all get enlightenment you are brahman this clarity is there even if you are buddhist you, you believe that you have the buddha nature within you so what can prevent you from realizing what you are which is always present within you error agyana is nothing compared to the glory which is within you it will shine for it is already shining for it will shine for the washerman will very soon realize it's a diamond that's one answer we will all realize but it may take time you can take your own time it may take lifetimes second um once you have appreciated this and also seen a little bit of life what else will you do except for uh, seek enlightenment the only valuable thing in life is spiritual pursuit i i'm not saying you have to be advaitin you can be a devotee you can be buddhist whatever it is but spiritual sincere spiritual quest is the most serious thing one can do in life is the most valuable thing one can do more and more you pursue see at the end of life people always say my most valuable thing is my ramna is my study of gita or upanishad most valuable thing nothing else in life my education career achievements family they all come and gone and now i am alone with this reality it's the most profound thing in life what else will you do second so therefore you must pursue enlightenment and the professor said see those are good answers but they are little theoretical i will give you a practical answer he gave a very beautiful answer which i share with everybody he said the reason you will you need to uh, seek enlightenment is this as we proceed on the spiritual path any religion or any kind of practice seriously proceed on that the day to day benefits which come to you peace of mind meaningfulness in life strength guidance in life the blessings which come to you they are so great and as we go through life they are so valuable that is enough enlightenment when it will come we will see but it is giving so much benefit to me day to day that i will definitely i will follow this this i will not give up i said that's a very good uh, really good answer and actually most people we all follow it because of that third answer not the first right it's interesting to the harvard professor i am a monk i gave theoretical answers and he gave me a practical answer 
ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ತತ್ಸತ್ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾರ್ಪಣಮಸ್ತೆ